This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Bald Move TV, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Jim. I'm your host, Aaron. And this week, all of television is confined to Rick and Morty and The Mandalorian. And in order to discuss that, we have a special guest who you might recognize from our Rick and Morty podcast, uh, Gustavo Sarola from Rooster Teeth fame. He's the co-founder of Rooster Teeth, actually, and he runs the Rooster Teeth podcast. Welcome to the show, Gustavo. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Uh, we're going to talk first about uh, Rick and Morty, the first two episodes of season four. Um, just kind of our general thoughts on that. And then we're going to move over to The Mandalorian. Uh, we've we've done a whole podcast on these two episodes of Rick and Morty. So, Gustavo, what's your what's your feeling on the first two? Uh, I'm really liking it. I, I had a weird moment, actually, with this most recent episode, the second episode. Uh, what was it? The Old Man in the Seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it, and then I thought, maybe I don't get it. So I immediately watched it a second time. And then uh, after I finished it the second time, I thought, no, it's just really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a good episode, but I was, uh, I was, uh, I was left strangely sad. It was, I don't know. It left me so sad, I watched it again immediately to make sure I was right. I was like, oh, no, yeah, it's, it's sad. <laughs> Still sad. Uh, were, yeah, were you expecting something else? Well, it's like a whole episode about taking a dump. And about, you know, having peace with that. And then how, how do you make that into something that makes you feel sad? Like, it just didn't seem <laughs> like that would, that, would, that would be possible. Rick and Morty has its ways of making you feel sad. I remember the the episode with uh, that Chaos Chaos song at the end with Unity and all that stuff. And it made me feel pretty sad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was also actually I think bummer. <laughs> one of the thoughts I had after we recorded a podcast was like, one of the things I think that makes this work and like maybe what Gustavo is getting at is that, uh, you know, this is the lo- most low stakes thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like Rick has a private toilet that someone pooped in. Uh, but his response where he does all the CSI Batman bullshit, he interjects himself in a civil war and changes the course of how that goes. Like this, this, this uh, crocodile robot war, who knows what that'll do to the galaxy. He goes through all this stuff and then, you know, again, keeping in mind, this is super low stakes, uh, mm-hmm. changes this guy's life for the better. 
and then plans this epic revenge that doesn't work because the guy's already moved on. Like he would have never come back to the toilet. He was too busy living his best life because Rick had freed him. Mm -hmm. um, being in the confines of Rick's anal cavity and being in the red baggie of Kool-Aid <laughs> uh, changed his life forever. So like, you know, it's like, like, like how... It's kind of like that. Um, you had that like uh, par that 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 uh, stunt Twitter account. Trump par uh, criticizes Trump. You know, or it's like they they get tweets of him from seven years ago. Where he's talking about Obama and how it applies uh, to his current presidency. Uh, like Rick criticizes oh. like this. His him him sitting on that toilet and having this parade of Rick bullshit around him was himself criticizing himself. Mm -hmm. um, which like, alternate mockery like he freed someone else but he's unable to free himself i guess yeah yeah like all the things that he could adequately say about how pathetic and sad this person's life is he it applies to him and also the fact that he fired this bullet himself well that's the thing like he's the master he's the ultimate master of his own destiny right yeah. and yet here he is sitting on this throne as the king of shit uh being taunted by himself like yeah it, it Actually, Gustavo, you're totally right. I'm now sad uh, because this paints an entirely just crippling sadness uh, of a painting here uh, with this yeah. character, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was uh, it, it was it was unexpected. I wasn't sure where that episode was going to end up. And then uh, what was the first only oh, the first one was the Death Crystals, right? Rick, uh, Rick die, Rick Pete. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was uh, that was interesting. I don't know. I, I guess that uh, that opens up bigger questions about: Do you really want to know where your life's heading? I mean, it, it, it's also that was also a dark episode. It painted a very dark uh, uh, outlook for yourself. Do you know where you're going to go? You know, what, what 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 will you do in the short term to try to reach a long term goal that you may not fully understand? Mm -hmm. Right, and that's that's the worst part is at the end when it turns out to be just. Uh, a fiction that he's spun in his own head of that death and he doesn't have the proper context to understand it and yet like there's also um what what is he talking about when he says uh, uh in watchmen uh where wade talks about these uh squids that are raining from the sky and how they have 30 seconds of life and they spend it wait, all wait, dying. Is, gus, is gus up on watchmen oh yeah i love watchmen. okay okay oh, i was gonna say <laughs> I mean, it's not a huge spoiler, even if you are, but uh -huh. like, even if you aren't. But yeah, he he has that line, and that very much applies, I think, to this episode. Like Morty spends the twenty-two minutes of this episode dying, like planning his own death, uh -huh. right? And and it turns out to not even be the death that he wanted. So, yeah, it's incredibly sad as well. What what do you think? Well, it's, it's 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 like the death he wanted, but not in the proper context. Yeah, like the, the the meaning isn't there. Right. It, it's all it's very hollow yeah and how like i feel like the morty that that stinger is almost like you know when you get uh, if you've ever had experience of like narrowly missing a bad traffic accident and like you know like jolt of adrenaline like, oh my god almost died there like his realization that you know the way that episode went with him bypassing the skinny dipping and saying hey we'll probably get together in the 40s and being weird and creepy because he's following his death crystal cult <laughs> Um, like him trying to steer towards the decision that he or the, the the death that he wanted was actively making him go farther and farther away from the life he actually wanted. Yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. And also, what did you think of like uh, there's some people making some meta analysis uh, and commentary about, you know, because one of the things uh, Jim and I learned in doing seasons one through three and going through all the commentaries was there's often a conflict within the writer's room about like, 
how crazy should we let episodes get? How much continuity? Like, how important is grounding it to the plot? Also, in the fan base, the people that just want to see Mr. Meeseeks in, in every season versus <laughs> the people that want to see the weird, crazy stuff versus the people who want to see Rick making actual kind of, like, changes as a person. And, like, I felt like the last minute or two of this episode was, like, them... Tr- trying to articulate the harmony that apparently they found. Oh, I just made a Dan Harmon joke. The harmony they found in the writer's room about that. Do you you see any of that? I don't know how much you've you've kept up with like Justin and Dan's turmoil about creating Rick and Morty. Yeah, I guess I never, uh, I mean, it's weird. When I watch the show, I kind of separate myself from that. Like I'm aware of that when I'm not watching the show, you know, I read various things online. But when I'm in the show, I kind of treat it like its own universe. I try to kind of ignore that stuff. So I hadn't really connected that or thought about how they're trying to balance all of these different fan expectations. Um, Man, I wish I could do that. So, uh, you, you, I'm envious of being in that position because you're primarily a, uh, in the video game realm, yeah, with your podcasting yeah, and commentary. Yeah. So like you have the opposite problem. When I sit down to play a video game, I very much do that. I bet you can't do that as much with video games, can you? Not, not as much, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little more difficult. Uh, speaking of that meta commentary, something else we wondered, um, like in the latest episode, you've got that scene where Beth comes in to save the day on a hang glider. And I feel like in previous seasons of Mr. or not Mr. Robot, Mr. Rick and Morty, uh, Rick and Morty, they would have like established how she ended up in the hang glider, why she was hang gliding, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like some of these commentaries, like there was a tension between Dan, like, hey, how did she get on the hang glider? And Justin Royland's like, who gives a fuck? It's funny that she comes in on, uh, on a hang glider. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, do, I feel like that the, me and Jim saw that as kind of like being the show being a little uncharacteristically loose and sloppy. But do you also think, I don't know, did that did that kind of bug you or? I did think about it, but what I thought at the time, and it, it, this is that was one of those moments that did actually kind of take me out of it for a second. The thing I thought at the time was, oh, they must have run long and had to cut something for time <laughs> to try to get it uh, into the right time frame. I didn't think that there would there was an argument about <laughs> you know where it came from. I just figured that it was it was written, and then they thought, oh, well, we need to cut thirty seconds for time, and that's what ended up getting cut. Yeah, and I want to say that like, um, like if Dan has lost his mind and decided he wants to listen to podcasts that criticize his work, uh, I'm, I, I think that the trade off is worth it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, if if uh, if 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 getting Rick and Morty out on a regular schedule and, and not every two or three years means like every once in a while you have a bad edit on a hang glider. It's still it's 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 still ninety nine percent is enjoyable. That one percent is not worth you guys killing yourselves seventy five percent of the time. So like, yeah. I just want to want to assure the creators if if they happen to listen that uh, I feel like the trade off is worth it to keep it to oh, keep yeah. it kind of loose. It's like jazz. Absolutely, I totally agree. Yeah. How, how do you feel about Jerry after seeing these first two episodes? Jerry, he's a. Uh, it's it seems like he's. He's back in a way I didn't expect. I thought he would be maybe uh, a little slower to reintegrate into the family, uh, mm-hmm. you know, after having been out on his own uh, in the previous episodes. Uh, but he's back and seemingly trying to to take control. I mean, obviously the app development thing went really awry, but <laughs> you know, he was trying to spin it as you know, what was it, the adventure of uh, Morty and Jerry, and trying to get a high five from Morty on the alien ship, which didn't get uh, fulfilled. <laughs> but uh, it seems like he's trying like maybe he's gained some experience with this whole uh with all this lunacy 
and is uh, you know had some comfort with it now and is kind of kind of trying to roll with it. Yeah, I really wonder what they're doing with him because every every time I look at Jerry, I see a person who does not get a lot of wins in his life, and when he does get wins, he tends to use that as a cudgel to beat someone with. Mm-hmm. And I very much feel like that's what he's doing to Rick here. Like, it, it's only by dumb luck that he's really accepted back to, into this family. It's not his own doing. He hasn't changed as a person. Uh, and now that he is back in the family and he has this power over Rick that he's been given by Beth, that <laughs> he's he's just taking every opportunity to rub that in Rick's face. And it, it's so Jerry. Like, Jerry is a pathetic person, and I feel like this is what a pathetic person would do, given some power. Well, I saw... So, like... You know, I don't know if I'm going to speak for the other uh, two of you gentlemen, but I was a nerd in school and in in a time when uh, uh, the culture wasn't quite as nerd accepting. And I got I got picked on and and, um, kind of ostracized for some of the the nerdy proclivities that I had. And one thing that I've always been amazed at is like watching, uh, you know, like us Gen X are nerds. I don't know if the younger gen- generations can can uh, relate, but like a lot of times when we got a little bit of societal power, like we use that as a cudgel to beat, like for example, girls in you know intruding upon our, our gamer spaces, or hmm. you know, like like we try to gatekeep people like if they start to be enthused in the hobby like it's not like hey welcome come on in this is a friendly place it's like oh you're a fake blah 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 because you don't know xyz about blah 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 and it's kind of like that that phrase hurt people hurt people like jerry's the nerd in high school that got bullied and if he gets a little bit of power he decides he wants to bully rather than you know there's two lessons you learn like you should bully before let bully lest you be bullied yourself or hey let's just not bully and i think that he He's taken the wrong, wrong, wrong path pretty consistently. You kind of blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really going to be stuck on that. That's going to keep me up. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight now. <laughs> um, speaking of not being able to sleep, uh, the Mandalorian has a baby, and yeah. as a first-time single dad, he's going to be in a world, world of hurt uh, uh, mm-hmm. in, in in this regard. Uh, what did you think about the first two? I, I guess I'm curious about like what were your expectations for the Mandalorian, Gustavo? Uh, I, I, yeah, I was. So I, I'm, I'm going to start with that one right there. <laughs> okay. As far as expectations, because uh, I think that that's actually that's that's a that's a big question. I went in expecting uh, very much like a Star Wars story with no Force. I thought you know we're going to see just the Mandalorian bounty hunter going and shooting stuff up. I expected, you know, maybe a couple of different missions. I wasn't, I didn't think that there would be necessarily an overarching story, which there seems to be so far in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. And there's also force, <laughs> a little bit of the use of the force, which I was not expecting at all uh, in this in this series. Um, I, I was really shocked that they would introduce. I, I know people get upset about it. I was I was shocked that they would introduce a baby Yoda character. I know some people don't like calling it baby Yoda because it's not a baby version of Yoda, eh. but we don't know I mean, what that's that species the, is, is you, called. You, you exactly. see this in isolation and you say, well, that's a baby Yoda. Yeah. Like it doesn't literally mean that it's actually a recloned baby Yoda, although it wouldn't blow my mind that that's what ends up it, no, it's it a being. Baby, but... uh, a baby of whatever species Yoda is and it, they haven't given us a name, so uh-huh. we're going to call it Yoda. Yeah. I look forward to buying all of the holiday merchandise this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it, it, but other than you know the um, the force aspect and the the baby Yoda, 
I think it's it's very similar to what I expected. You know, seeing some of this stuff with uh, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda uh, wandering around makes me think of you know like old graphic novels like Lone Wolf and Cub, uh, and I definitely get like Western vibes as well from it. You know, a lot of the music and a lot of the the way that it's shot. Uh, and so far, I, I feel like I went in. I tried. I tried really hard to temper my expectations for this show, but they still got crazy high. And I think so far the show is fulfilling my high expectations uh, that I had for it. Yeah, I go back and forth because, like, on one hand, the one criticism I had of like the the, the prequel trilogy is like Lucas seemed to pretty consistently make his universe smaller and smaller, like in his big galaxy where you know, it's not realistic to think that, like, Chewbacca and Yoda would be best friends. Well, of course they're best friends. And, of course, Anakin uh, built C-3PO. And there's, like, all these, like, you know, it's like, man, these are crazy connections. You'd think in, like, a small town it would be kind of unlikely or a big town, a big city, let alone the whole fucking galaxy. And it's mm-hmm. weird that, like, in this one that the Mandalorian goes and runs to, like, a species, Yoda species, a younger version of Yoda, or younger version of Yoda species that wears Yoda's robes, and then they had give it force powers, and I'm like, man, this seems a lot like running home to mama plot wise, but it's so damn cute, and it mm-hmm. kind of puts a smile on my face when I'm seeing it executed, and I'm also loving like seeing the Star Wars community kind of like having fun with it for the first time in a <laughs> while in several years yeah. that the the community's kind of united about having fun with something, and I don't hate it. So yeah, I'm, the, the, I, I kind of share your concern. Like that was always my problem with the Star Wars movies is. And I think a lot of people will echo that. It's like, why are we always dealing with the same characters over and over? Uh-huh. So here, at least, you know, we have a character that looks kind of like Boba Fett, you know, the whole Mandalorian connection. Uh, but as far as like the baby Yoda, that didn't bother me as much because as far as we know, it's not actually Yoda. And, you know, whatever this creature is, since they are so unique, it would be something of interest mm-hmm. to uh, people who hire bounty hunters. So like canonically, I can kind of wrap my head around that. Like, okay, I get it. We're kind of seeing the same character again, but maybe it's, it's, it's a new coat of wax. It's slightly fresh paint on it. Yeah. And I think like the, what you said about it being of interest to bounty hunters is what sort of turns it from, Oh, look, you know, here's yet another of the same species and making the world smaller to kind of opening doors to bigger worlds uh, and bigger questions. Like why does, uh, why does the whatever remnant of the empire this guy is working with uh want you know yoda baby yoda uh the the idea that there is a force user out there that could be co-opted for whatever purposes right it's it, well, it kicks open a lot of doors this is a prequel to the the newest rise of skywalker because you're going to find out that the emperor has downloaded his consciousness into a toddler version oh, of baby yoda shit. And oh, no. you know he had the he had he had to clone the the other greatest force user in the universe to house his vast force powers, and it's going to be the emperor's voice coming out of this tight, cute little package. <laughs> tight, cute. What the fuck? I sound tight like that's, that's, oh, that's strike a, that from ooh. the record. No, I did did, did describe <laughs> Baby Yoda as having a tight, cute package. What the fuck? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk podcast where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. I wonder. So, do where? Let's take our temperature on this. Do, what do we think? Do we think this is just an unrelated to Yoda at all? Do we actually think that it might be a clone? Because there is. I kind of hope it's unrelated. Is his whole species strong with the Force? Because I think we saw another one in the prequel, like a younger female version of the Yoda species that was on the Jedi Council. So yeah, there've the, been like five total in the Star Wars universe. And had they all been strong with the Force? Yes. Well, uh, well, I was reading specifically about the five who were. So maybe there's more oh, that aren't. Right. But yeah. Right. But, but as far as we've seen so far, Baby Yoda is as well. So yes. we, we have a good track record with this species having force powers when they're on screen. Right. Does it like make anybody mad if, if the suggestion that this might be a clone of Yoda is like, is this something you were dead set against? Because I feel like I don't, I could go either way. Oh, man. I, 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 this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Where it's like, I, would, I think normally I would be okay if it was, but. I don't want to keep getting the same characters over yeah. and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if it looks like Yoda, I would prefer if it's not Yoda, if it's something different. Well, it really bothered me if it's like a Star Trek three type of situation where not only is it a clue, that might be interesting <laughs> that like, okay, well, what would Master Yoda look like if he grew up at a different 900 years behind him, right? But like if they do some kind of like uh, consciousness transfer or he's just literally Muppet Baby's Yoda, that 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 would be ju- a little bit yeah, jumping I, the gone dark for me. I don't think they should do that. I, I so here's here's the thing. The the vibe I'm getting from this story is it's very much a story of bounty hunters being exploited for grander purposes, right? That they don't fully understand. Because I don't They're think pawns in the game. Yeah, I don't think Pedro Pascal's Mandalorian is a guy who's particularly invested in why he's hunting people down. It's more just about like this is a bounty. I'm trying to get all this Besker stuff so I can reassemble my suit, whatever. Uh, but but getting caught up in a bigger game, I think, is the more interesting part here. Uh, and and that, to me, is where the the interest comes in for the baby Yoda. It's not, it's not oh, is he going to be a Force user? Is he actually a clone of Yoda? None of that stuff is, like, that interesting to me. It's more about how is this going to, I guess, affect the Mandalorian as a character? Is he going to finally get invested in sort of the bounties that he's chasing? Yeah, um... Yeah, I think you're right. It seems like uh, he's maybe kind of, uh, unaware is not the right word. Maybe he's uh, blissfully ignorant about everything else that's going on. Because even when he first encounters, in episode one, when he first gets to that 
camp with everyone and the IG-11 uh, droid shows up, you know, they have that moment where they say, oh, we each thought we were the only ones coming out here. Right. You know, there was no, there was no, on either of their parts, there was no scratching the surface, no, like, no further thought, just like, okay, this is my job, I'm going to go do it. No, well, what else might be happening? What are, what are the other machinations that could be occurring uh, behind the scenes here? Right, and for us as an audience, it's a point of intrigue, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, oh, they were both hired for the same job. Why is that? Not only that, but like for cross-purposes, like the IG-11 was there to kill it, whereas oh, right. Boba true, Fett, yeah. or not Boba Fett, the Mandalorian was there to preferentially take it alive, but, you know, dead. So I thought that was interesting, too, that even within the guild, yeah. there's like different bidders with, for diff with, with different purposes. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, that IG-11 was a little too trigger-happy with the self-destruct sequence. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It was, it was, uh, it was, that, that, that might be my, it, it's a weird quip to have, but that, that's probably my, like, my biggest quip from the first episode was, it's like, okay, that was a funny joke, and then they just kept hitting it over and over, it's like, okay, I get it, he's constantly trying to blow himself up. Yeah. yeah, that's where this, though, I think this is also a pretty young adult, um, and, you know, some things that, uh, it's like I was, I've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, I know I'm late to the party, but like, I it's think a it's, a, it's a great game, it's a great story, but holy shit do they belabor the plot sometimes, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, a, a 12 year old playing this game who's being, you know, like AI run amok has not been something they've seen a, a half a hundred times, they have to be able to understand what's happening, and I feel like some of this stuff is like, it's funny, and repetition's funny, and the kid, it's, it's, you know, I, it's, I, I, I feel you on that, and I'm, I'm like, well, it's like, if it does, is it going to land for the twelve year olds? Because it's got to land for both the forty three and the and the twelve year olds as well. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's a, it's a big age range, a big age gap you're dealing with there. Do, do you think that we'll ever see Pedro take off the helmet? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was watching this episode the other day. Uh, I was watching episode two with, uh, with my wife. And uh, we finished the episode. Oh, yeah, it was it was the scene where uh, he's fighting that monster. Was it the Mudhorn? He's fighting the oh. Oh, that monster trying mm -hmm. to get the egg. And uh, you know he's being dragged through the mud and you know being beat up. My wife turned to me and said, "Do you think Pedro Pascal is actually in that costume?" Uh, that's my follow up. <laughs> yeah, doesn't need and to I be. I thought for a second. I said, "I guess he doesn't have to be," but I kind of imagined he's in there the whole time. So I hope he takes it off just so we can see that he's actually in there. Yeah, because yeah, like most of the, I mean, surely he's not doing all of his own stunts. So even if you say like, well, it's Pe Pedro, except for when he's actually getting like thrown around and stuff, that's still like half the time, not Pedro. Yeah, right. <laughs> that that fight was yeah, really cool. I love that though. Yeah, uh, I do wonder. Do you feel like that they're setting, they're making? Um, it's kind of like the Worf effect on the, the Next Generation, where it's like Worf was the toughest guy in the Enterprise. So like that means that the threat of the week was always kicking Worf's ass to impress upon us like what a threat it is. Hmm. And I feel like they established the Mandalorian as like one of the best up and coming bounty hunters. And he like laid down the law in that first scene. But then almost every scene since that, he has had his ass handed to him by kind of cutesy CGI creatures. Yeah. Or he's he, the, he got the better of him by a team of Jawas. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. uh, or, or is, is that a little bit of the young adult thing too, where it's like, you know, you just, he's just going to have wild swings of competence and power level, depending on what his setting or, or I don't know, maybe he's just really bad at, at, uh, at, uh, dis, at uh, terminating Jawas with sufficient well, I was, speed and well, ferocity. What I, I was most disappointed in, well, not disappointed, what I was most surprised by was, uh, you know, when he's fighting that monster at the end, the Mudhorn, I believe, at the end uh -huh. of episode two, you know, he's being trounced, he's being dragged through the mud. And then it seems like before, you know, right before Baby Yoda intervenes, it seems almost like he's given up. He pulls out his vibro knife 
and kind of just stands there. It, it seems like he's waiting to mm-hmm. die mm-hmm. is like kind of the stance and the posture I get. And I thought like, isn't he supposed to be like a great bounty hunter? And you talk about that first scene where he really, you know, lays everyone out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, 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 that was the scene that seemed the most shocking to me. Like, you know, when he gets taken out by a whole bunch of Jawas, sure, I get it. You know, I could not beat up. 110 year olds they would get the better of me <laughs> same kind of thing where he's like you get overwhelmed by sheer number i understand that but you know one-on-one with a uh, with uh, an animal i feel like he should have had more plans or contingency i feel like the mandalorian would go out like liam neeson in the gray you know he would like be <laughs> duct taping his vibro knives to his knuckles uh-huh. and like come get you know it's like i'm gonna go out screaming and but yeah i felt like he was a little ig11 going to the self-terminate mode uh yeah the the way he brings that thing down too was a little surprising with one well placed knife shot. Yeah, a creature that big, really. He's got the hmm. uh, they're they're they got the large jugulars very close to the surface. They just bleed out instantly. Wow, with no I didn't blood, even see any blood. Disney that Plus. was yeah, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. amazing. Um, but but it was it was interesting. You know, it, his was not the only vibroblade weapon in that episode. It's it's interesting to see that they're um, they're showing more of that. I feel like it's something you'd always kind of heard about in extended universe canon. And not really seen because you know when they get attacked earlier in the episode, uh, the, uh, the attackers are all using like vibro blade weapons, and then mm-hmm. you know at the end of this episode, like we said, the Mandalorian pulls out a vibro knife. So it's cool to see them kind of uh, pushing, you know, showing more of that universe that we've heard about but haven't really seen. And that's the thing that I think they're nailing with this is the feel of Star Wars, like yes. and, and knowing Star Wars and loving Star Wars, like this does feel like a bit of a love letter to the Mandalorians as a culture. And I think, you know, the further we get into the series, the more we're going to see of that and the happier I'm going to be. That's another reason it feels like Star Wars is we're able to kind of as a fan community nitpick it, but in like a good natured way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas like some of the, you know, nitpicking and fault finding in the last decade or two has has been a little bit more with merit and with a lot more heat behind it. So, yeah, you know. uh, Oh, one last thing. Is this planet actually Tatooine? Or are Jawas yeah. like endemic to desert planets? They just they just uh, navigate to them and take them over. It, it's funny because I had I had the same thought, you know, when uh, the Mandalorians going into that lair to look for the egg for the Jawas. I thought, you know, you know, we didn't know what the monster was in there, you know, at first, and I thought, is there going to be a cryant dragon in there? Like, are mm-hmm. they? Is this, yeah, or Sarlacc? Like, yeah, right. Like, are we are we are we back on Tatooine? Uh, this is so the I ass end of the Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the other the side action. of the planet. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely had a, a moment where I was wondering the exact same thing. Hmm. So I don't know. I don't know because, like I said, we, we were joking about this in the first episode. That's like you know, like all Star Wars biomes are represented. You've got the desert planet, the mm-hmm. ice planet. The you know, we, we need to see a water planet and jungle planet, jungle planet, yeah. and we'll, we'll have them all. We'll we'll have collected the entire set. Yeah, it wasn't even um, what was Nick Dolce's character name? Quill or something like that? Oh yeah, the little uh, the little froggy guy. He, yeah, even he's a moisture farmer, right? It's mm-hmm. like the same. We're still seeing the same thing over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do hope that like, because um, that's the thing. Like with the other thing about if this Yoda baby Yoda plot is like the entire season long, is that that's a brave choice because, or it's a bold choice because. You know, think about like the Jason Statham baby carrier scene from the the <laughs> second to last Fast and Furious. Like, imagine that over ten episodes. It's yeah. inherent handling a baby is inherently limiting to what you can do as a character. Now, a force wielding baby that can lift 
a hundred thousand pounds maybe that's a little different maybe that's more of like uh the incredibles baby but i am a little mm. worried about like uh baby boba fett sitter what that's gonna what's that gonna look like for an entire season if that's how what they're actually going with yeah i don't know i'm hoping that we we see either well i think we'll find out in the next episode right we'll either see some resolution of the story or something that'll give us the hint that it's going to continue because now he's back on his ship he's heading back to uh his handlers for the mission so we're going to see if i i think we're going to see if this particular story wraps up or if it's going to be what we're going to finish out this season with yeah i can go either way because i i kind of was with you gustavo when i first heard of this i thought this was going to be probably a lot of tales from the bounty hunters short story kind of like x files where it's like you'll have you know hit of the week or like bounty of the week but you might have an overarching arc that takes place over and i was really kind of shocked to see the first mission lasting for so it still could be that way it's like it's going to be bounties of the tri-week or the three or four week plot line rather than you know uh but yeah i'm, I'm kind of curious to see because there's still like very little we know about this yeah. I, I'm, I'm very impressed with how well they kept everything under wraps yeah it, it just clicked with me by the way right here as we're talking it just clicked with me what i was expecting i i, I guess subconsciously i was thinking about it but I, I never it never had risen to the front of my mind i was thinking of cowboy bebop where uh, it's yeah. mostly standalone stories with maybe some thread of an overarching story that's in the background that eventually pays off on its own another yeah. the, one of the great space westerns mm -hmm. uh anything else you want to talk about mandalorian wise uh no i think i think i've spoken uh okay thanks again gustavo for coming on the show really enjoyed talking with you um maybe we can check in later on when we get a little bit more clarity on what's going on with the mandalorian or any other side any other sci-fi topics you want to uh, hit us up on just let us know uh, yeah, please. Uh, I'm always happy to talk. I love all the stuff. All right, cool. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right, thanks for having me. That's it for our conversation with Gustavo. Thanks again for being here, Gustavo. If you want to find more of his stuff, you can do so at roosterteeth.com, where you can check out his podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching for the Rooster Teeth Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with more stuff. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. See ya.